there are significant ages in the human being as we grow that we need to think about. And because I try to hold God to his words as much as I can, I started asking myself about this. So if you do studies of just human being in, in general, who we are as a people, we will see that significant times of growth after we come out of the womb, significant times of growth when we come out of the womb, and significant time of growth is from birth to five years old. So from birth to five years old is a significant time of growth. And I watch how organizations, um, businesses kind of put timeline on where they expect to be in their business, um, how they're growing their business uh, timeline and what they do for their organization. I watch that. So that zero to five is true because there's a lot of businesses and corporation that from birth of the business to its five year, um, there's a stat, and I don't have all that right now. I get into it when I can, but not tonight. There's statistics, and you can get on it. Um, you've got your phone. There's um, statistic that says that if you have a business and you can make it past five years, the chances of the business being successful goes way up, goes way up because you were able to get past the five-year mark. So from birth to five significant years in our life. Then from five to 12, also significant years in our life. 18, I'm sorry, 12 to 17 years old, significant times. 18 to 40, 40 to 55. Now we're covering some ground here. You're saying, yeah, that's in order there. Um, 55 to 80, and then over 80. Why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you so you can examine your spiritual life to say, how long have I been in church? And when you ask yourself that, if you're with between zero to five, you have to ask yourself, do I see progress? Do I see growth? Because a child, when they're born, they don't stay the same size when they come out of the womb, right? Uh, you shaking your head. Yeah, you better shake your head. <laughs> Peyton's shaking her head like, no. Yeah, we know, Peyton. Yes. We've gone through your experience, too. But but you want to look at your life and says, okay, from the time I got saved to right now, do I see changes taking place? And then if you're past five, here is the big question. Look back to when you were zero to five and then see if when you got to six and seven and eight, did you see changes take place? Because that's really where I'm trying to get you at to think about is when you skip over that threshold, can you see a change in your life when you skip over that threshold? So, okay, you've been in church for uh, 70 or so to speak. Can you see a difference in your life from five to seven? If you've been in church for 10 years, can you see a difference from 
when you were first born again to 10 years, a significant difference. We have to look at these things to see what should be happening. And I would, I would, I would encourage you to go and look at the cycle of life in a human life so you will know where you're supposed to be. For instance, zero to five is considered infancy and toddlership or toddler. So between infant and toddler, zero to five. Okay, so you're saying that, yeah, I, I was just born, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an infant, eventually a toddler, and so that's the natural. So you, you, you want to look at the spiritual as well. And then you look at, um, you know, um, 5 through 12, that's like childhood. Now, now you're, you know, you're a child, you're no longer a baby, you're no longer a toddler, you're no longer an infant. And so you look at that and you say, okay. What's going on, what should be going on in the life of a child? Then you go and you say, okay, adolescent years. What should be going on in the life of an adolescent? And then you go and you say, okay, the next years after that, that will be early adulthood. What's supposed to happen in early adulthood? And then we go on and we say, um, middle age adult. What should be happening? And then we say, latter uh, life, adulthood, what should be happening. And so I think if you will do yourself a favor and kind of go and research these stages of life and see where what is supposed to be happening in the natural, you will kind of get an idea what is supposed to be happening in the spiritual. Now I got an old teaching on that, but I'm just, just trying to challenge you to say you will know what to do or where to look to know where you should be in your spiritual life. So, for instance, if you're supposed to be an adolescent, but you're still in being a toddler, then you know, okay, I got some work to do. And, and, and that's how you want to approach your spiritual walk is to say, okay, for the time, the, the, the age that I am in Christ, am I acting my age? Am I advanced? There's nothing wrong with being advanced. But am I acting my age or am I not acting my age? And... If you're not where you should be, then you should put some work in to get where you got to get to. How do you put the work in? I'm glad you asked. This is why we're going to talk about for the next four lessons. It's in the same vein of what we've been talking about, but just different wording. We're going to be talking about reflecting God's character. Reflecting God's character. Um, what we talked about for four weeks ago was living unselfishly. That's also reflecting God's character. And so we're, we're going to talk about reflecting God's character. And our first lesson in reflecting God's character is this, a hearer and a doer. The first lesson is a hearer and a doer. The simple way, simply put, to know how or how to become who you're supposed to be as a spiritual being is just simplest, simple could be. Hearer and a doer. You won't be the last to somehow try to make God's word and the things of God seem deep. And that there must be something deep about it. It can't just be that simple. Yeah, it's that simple. Hear the word, read the word, do the word. It is that simple. And so if we're not 
where we should be in our growth, it just means I didn't hear enough and do enough. And so if we want to act our age in Christ, the best way to do it, hear and do. Then we'll act our age in Christ. But if you're not acting your age in Christ, it just means not hearing enough and doing enough. And just like in the natural, you're supposed to have certain development at different stages of life. Same thing in Christ. Here's what I challenge myself with. I don't care how long we've been living for Christ. Here is what we do as human. This is what we normally do. We change sometimes for a minute there. But after we change, we change into whatever we change into. But we become comfortable in that change and that becomes the norm for the rest of your life. So what happened with Christians uh, Christians are they become born again. They get saved. And now they have a saved life. But then that's all they are for the rest of their life is just saved. You follow what I'm saying? Like we become used to what that lifestyle has dictated to us. But we usually don't grow in that lifestyle. We just stay Right where we began, we stayed here. And so I started asking myself, are you any different from five years ago, from seven years ago, from ten years ago? I had to ask myself that. That Did you get transformed by the power of God and became whatever you became and that's still what you are as far as how you are. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, I don't want you to think about, listen, I'm not telling you to change because we know as Christians that, that you don't change that. That's who you are. You are a Christian. But what I'm saying is you become a Christian and now you don't grow from that. You just stay right where your conversion took you. So if your conversion said you repented, you got baptized, received the Holy Ghost, now you're, you're, conver- you're just in that place now. You just live that life every day in that place. You never grow any further. Right? Um, let's take, for instance, the Apostle Paul's life. He got converted. Somebody was praying for him. He had a man of God, Barnabas, had to vouch for him and help him through to understand certain things, learn certain things. Later on, when he was younger in his in, in his, uh, his his walk with God, he was he, he seemed like he was um, the, the way how he was gung ho and just want to get it done. If you wasn't up to speed, he didn't have time for you, and he just did his thing. And he was a powerful man of God. We're talking about the Apostle Paul here. And he grew, he started churches, different places, he started writing letters. Then at some point, you know, of course, he, w- he got to the pinnacle of his ministry. But then his temperament changed a little bit because he matured even more. 
And so if you look at the Apostle Paul life from the day he got saved to the day he died, there was always transitions, 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 transitions. And what I'm saying to you is our life has to transition in Christ. It can't stay the same. Right? Peyton just told us today she's not the same person like when she was first born. She knows that. Me and you know we, we're not the same person when we were first born. So we're transitioning physically, and we know God likes to show us the natural than the spiritual. How should we be transitioning spiritually? And so you got to challenge yourself to say, am I just going to stay stuck on stuff and just no transition in my life spiritually? Or will you begin to transition spiritually? None of us want to see someone not grow, not transition. We want to see people grow and transition. And so you have to want that for yourself as well. And the way to do that is by hearing and doing the word of God. It's the only way. Hearing and doing the word of God. If if you try to do it any other way, it won't happen. And I think sometimes I'm bringing all this up because I'm going to take my time. I probably won't finish the lesson, but it doesn't matter. I just feel like I just need to take my time and talk and slow it down and make sure we're okay. Right? And so I, I I just feel like sometimes we overlook that part of our walk with God. We just overlook that we're supposed to be transitioning and, and we don't realize the significance of hearing and doing. We're looking for something deeper than that. And God is like, no, I made the word of God for the simple. So if I made it for the simple, don't wait for something deep. Because, check this out. If you get something deep anyway, it's going to be a revelation from God to you. So don't wait for the preacher to give you nothing deep. Because hear this. If I say something deep today that God has given me, it will go over your head. Because you weren't prepared or in a place to receive that anyway. God gave that to me. And so why would I give you something deep that God gave to me? Because a lot of times when you get something deep, it's for you. It's not for you to, let me go teach this deep, deep teaching. No, that's not the way God works. So if you want something deep, it's going to really be for you. As a matter of fact, I say this about preachers, so I put myself in this category. A preacher got to really be careful that he only preaches what God say preach, because God will give the preacher something for him too. So as the preacher is ministering, God is saying, this is for you, preacher, because you need to know this. But that's not for the people you're ministering to because everybody can be in different place in their walk, different transition in their move in the spirit of, in the spirit realm. So God will give me something, give you something, give everybody something for them. So no need to try to impress anybody with anything deep because deep word, scripture unveil is probably going to be just between you and God. Won't be, it won't be between everybody else because, because God is trying to give, because God has been working with you and showing you things. And so what happens is God is just trying to reveal things to you. Yeah, every once in a while, he might get you to that place where you're almost there and he have the preacher say something that just open it up and you're like, ah, I got it now. But it's because he's, he was working with you for a while. So we need to lay the deep things aside and say, when God is ready, he'll give me something deep, but... You shouldn't be looking for anything deep. 
Hey, man, what do you think about this? I remember that in church when I was young. You know, Brother White will always will tell you about that. You might have heard me say this before, but I remember there was a time in church where there was a lot of different groups of people studying the word. They always studied men, not women so much, men, a lot of different groups studying. And um, <laughs> Brother White said to me, yeah, we was, and I looked him in the eye, I said, leave that stuff alone. Come away from it. Leave it alone. And that sounds like blasphemy. Because why would somebody tell you, stop studying the word of God? But the deal was, back in those times, guys was getting together to still be guys. Compete. Guys can't help themselves. They love to compete. Men love to compete. And so they were doing it in the church even then. So they did it concealing it. Which was, you got this group over here, and that group over there, and that group. And they say, yeah, we study it. We, we get together on Mondays and we study. That's not what they were doing. They were competing, and then they're trying to position to see who knew more. So that person would now have to be recognized as the guru. Been around a little bit. I've seen some stuff. So a lot of times... When we claim we're seeking out the deep things, that's not the reason. Something else behind it. Because God's word is simple, and all he wants us to do is hear and do. Hear and do. Because all God needs is an obedient vessel. He don't need a deep vessel because you're not deep anyway. He's the one that's deep. He just needs an obedient vessel. So when we try to exercise, you you know who allowed me? One of the first times I really saw how that really is true, because I knew that to be true, and I saw it. And this is when I saw it. Our now bishop and superintendent of our organization probably got more degrees than a thermometer. Man is just smart, crazy smart. I mean, he's got a law degree. He's got this. He's got just really smart, one of those smart people. But when he preaches, the level of his preaching is so low, probably about five-year-old preaching. And when I first discovered that, I said, there it is. This man can blow everybody out the room intellectually. Nobody can hold a candle to him. Intellectually destroyed him. He preached one sermon I heard so far at BOTT. Preach when God speaks. And he was killed. That's when he started describing, you know, all the galaxy. And he used his education that day. I said, ooh, you finally touched on the, uh, gave us some. Um, some, some teaching according to your knowledge. But every time you hear him preach, he just preach simple. He never go deep. And I'm like, this man brighter than everybody put together. So we need to leave the deep things about, leave the deep things alone and just become hearers and doers. Because when we become obedient to God, God will do the rest. And he will make you deep. And when you become deep, to be honest, man, your deepness only going to help. I don't even know what that does. Your deepness only help you get into a deeper relationship with God. If we go deep, it's only your deepness is a one-on-one thing. It's helping you get a deeper relationship with God. I'm telling you, trust me on that one. It's not for you to flex muscles and say, look how smart I am. Because 
It just, I don't know why I'm talking about deep stuff here. What's wrong with me? But be careful of wanting the word of God to be more than you just hearing it and doing it. Deepness is supposed to draw you to God, make you become so in awe of him. Oh, my goodness. He is amazing. That's what our deepness is supposed to do. But other than that, keep it simple. Let us say, keep it simple, stupid. You've heard that before. All right. A hearer and a doer. If you have questions tonight, I'm going to mess up the tape, Brother Scarlett. If you have questions tonight. Um, well, we got mics cordless, so might not have to mess up the um, thing, but be on standby in case somebody have a question and give them a mic. Uh, a hearer and a doer of the word of God. So let's go to Matthew chapter seven, verse number 24 through 27. The word of the Lord says, therefore, whosoever heareth these saying of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. Do I, do I need to read? Y'all, yeah. oh Lord, sometimes, sometimes y'all busy doing something else that you miss what I just read. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll read it again. Make sure everybody get it. it are we all there? I, I, oh, it's not on the screen, so we really got it. Okay. All right. I got it. Okay. You all tell Patrice that we need... Um, Audiovisual every 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 um, when you see her Sunday just say listen we really need audiovisual on Thursdays too not just Sundays. Uh-huh. All right, are we all there now? Okay, now let this soak in for you. Therefore, whosoever heareth these saying of mine and doeth them, heareth. Is a word that says continually hear. Do it is a word that means continually do. So it says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. He didn't say, those of you who get understanding and understand the deep things of Christ. I will make you a wise man or woman. That's not what he said. He said, if you hear them and do them, you are like a wise man which built this house upon the rock. And when he built his whole house up on the rock, the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Oh, Lord. So it says, if you build your house up on the rock, when the winds come and sea blow, or the, the winds blow and the, 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 the floods come, it says, your house will fall not, for it was founded upon the rock. Remember that scripture? And thou art Peter, and upon this rock, Will I build my church? This Bible is just out of control. (laughs) This is why I'm not going to talk about it. Because I'm not going to go deep. But I'm not doing it. I'm just saying pay attention to that. That 
he says that when you build your house upon the rock, and he had proven to us in Matthew, when we get to Matthew 16, he's proven to us that the rock is the revelation, meaning his word. So at the end of the day, if you want to simmer it down, make it easy and simple, when you build the house or the church on the word of God, when the floods come and the winds blow and beat upon the church and beat upon your house, your life, it can't be destroyed. But the way he communicated to us was hearer and doer. <laughs> and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as scribes. What's the difference between one that has authority teaching a subject and one that's just recording the subject? The the, the the one that teach, the great teacher, Jesus Christ, that teach with authority, it means when he teaches, he settled that subject and there's no more discussion. When you teach with authority, it means that you have taught so well that you ended every comment for that topic, for that subject, because you taught it so well. So when Jesus brings to us the word of God, there's nothing else to discuss about it. It's settled. He's the authority. And there is no room to, to, to discuss because he has authority. He, he, he taught it so well that there's nothing, there's no loophole, so to speak. There's no wigger room. There's no way around it. He has taught it so well that it's settled. That's why people say the word of God is the settled word. Because it came from the Almighty God. It's, it's settled. It came from the source that's, oh, that's all authority. Remember, he says, all power is given unto me. Oh, boy. All right. So we know when Jesus explained to them about the man that built his house on the rock and the man that built his house on the sand. Also what he was saying is that we have to make the right choices. We have to choose to do what he says as opposed to choose and do not what he says. When we don't do what he says, we're building on sand. That's what it means. When we don't do what God says, we are building on sand and we know when the winds come and the flood come, we know great will be the fall of that house. Stop it. Stop it. 
you can help myself. Something is happening to me. I'm getting all of these thoughts about different scripture that's tied into these things. And I'm just like, no, I'm just trying to be simple here. Guess what? House. The Bible calls us a house. So, so, so it's not far off to say great was the fall of that house because you are a house. Yeah, the Bible calls us a house. The temple. The house. And so if this life is being lived in disobedience to the word of God, you're living on sand. <laughs> so when you experience trouble and turmoil, your life gets into a little thing that just happened because life happens. You know, sometimes we like to try to go deep and say, well, the devil. No, nah, life just happens sometimes. But God has equipped us for life happening to us. He said, just build that house. Build your life on the rock, on the word. And if you build your life on the rock, on the word, then when life happens, you're going to be all right. But if you build that house, on sand, rejected my word, then when life happens, great is the fall. We getting that? Uh-huh. Christianity is not a religion of don'ts. I think a lot of people feel like Christianity is a real is is a uh, religion of don'ts and that's what scare people away from obeying the word of God. Mhm. From some people's perspective, all Christianity does is prohibit them from doing what they want to do. I'm not going to that church. I can't tell you, pray for me on this. Here's one of my weakness. It drives me crazy that people are struggling to change their lifestyle in every way when they come to God, that they're struggling with that. It just, I don't know what to do. That just, that's a pet peeve of mine. Why? He's giving me, look at the trade-off. I'm going to struggle with the trade-off? The Lord says, this is what I need for you to do when you surrender your life to me and I'll bless you. I'll keep you. I'll make sure you're good. I'll make sure your family is good. I'll make sure you live good. I'll make sure you always, you never hungry. All these stuff. When life happens, I got your back. And guess what? Eternal life, I'm giving you that. I just need you to make these adjustments. It's not even a question. I don't get it. How we struggle with it, Bob. I don't get it. I'm still like, I don't say it because it's such a, 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 a heavy subject with me. I don't talk about it to any individual. Because in my mind, it's nothing. When I get to understand, that's probably the thing that keeps me going, is that I really understand that depending on where we are in our relationship with God 
and our understanding of the things of God is probably going to dictate how we live our life. I understand that. And probably that's why I don't say much. But when I look at the trade-off of what God will do for us when we commit our life to him and live the way he says live, when I look at that trade-off, man, there's no comparison. Mike, um, Brother Scott, there's, there's no comparison. So the bottom line is I don't struggle with anything. From the day I gave my life to Christ, I don't struggle with any kind of lifestyle. The lifestyle don't bother me. So don't worry about it too much. But that's just, that, that wasn't a part of the message. So, yeah. Question. Go ahead. Question. When, when you started tonight, you were talking about stages of growth. And when you were presenting it, the first thing I was thinking about was that young children, mm-hmm. part of that childhood uh, experience is they don't show initiative. Mm-hmm. Older people show initiative. Mm-hmm. And so what you were just talking about is is where it is. Mm-hmm. People who aren't willing to make those kinds of changes are not willing to take the initiative to move towards God. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't and say so it that a, way. That's a childhood kind of. Right. But the way I would say it is, the way I would say it is, if if you haven't come to. early adulthood mm-hmm. then you won't take initiative yeah. so it just simply means that that's where you are but you need to understand that's where you are because sometimes it's nothing wrong with knowing where you are it's okay and and all kids develop differently as a matter of fact we've had many a conversations where we say you know if you remember in school the real big kid that seemed like, you know, he and our, you know, for male and for probably the same with female, real big kid that seemed like he was bigger than everybody else, had hair on his face before everybody else. Now that everyone is adult and you see him, he never grew anymore. You see him in the street, you're like, he still looks the same. And now you look different. I just say that just to say everybody grow at different rate, different pace. But the bottom line is, at some point in time, we leave from out of being um, um, infancy, toddler, early childhood, adolescent. We come out of all that stuff and we start to become young adults. And when we become young adults, we start doing things now. Uh, we start getting things done. So that, that's a good point there. Any idea... That the only, this is, this is for people who uh, think church is all about do's and don'ts. And, you know, they feel like Christianity prohibits them from doing what they want to do. And for many, that translates into rules that keep them from enjoying life. So a lot of people feel like when you go to church and start living for God, that keeps you from enjoying life. This is not true, of course, but stop and think this. Here is how our flesh and our intellect deceives us, and it's not until we get saved and really allow the Spirit of God to rule in our life that we can understand things. Here's a question I'll ask for everyone here tonight. 
What if there were no rules at all? No rules. And everybody live according to how they feel. What, what, what would our world be like? No rules. Everybody just do what they want. Anarchy, right? So if that's true, why are we worrying about getting saved and have to deal with some things God don't want us to do? <laughs> our, our, our flesh and the wisdom of this world will get us jammed up and we don't realize. And the only way you're going to realize it is when you get in God, seriously, for real, and allow the Spirit of God to really take charge in your life, then you will start realizing, man, the stuff that I was holding on to, like it was like the greatest thing I realized, it was really nothing. <laughs> Any idea that the only good life is a rule-free life is nonsense. So a lot of people want to feel like, and I don't want to be strapped down. I don't want to be tied down. I don't want nobody telling me what to do. I just smile. Because I know that if that is how you see life and you live life like that, your life will be a mess eventually if you don't like to be told what to do. If you don't want to deal with rules. If you don't want to deal with those things, then you're going to have a hard life. Because there are rules. And you're going to have to listen to somebody. And if you don't want to listen to anybody, it's going to get you in trouble. And so just stop and say, why wouldn't I want to listen to God's word? Regardless of who's saying it, it's God's word. Uh-huh. And so we allow our determination of what we feel is Rules, there are rules to stop us. We say, eh. Now, understand this. God gave us laws to guide us so there wouldn't be anarchy. Started in the garden. So, he gave us those things because he wanted to make sure our life would be in order. Now, we take it as, oh, he's trying to control me. That's what the devil told us and we still believe in it today. That's what the devil told them. God know that if you eat that fruit, you will become like him and know good and evil. That's what the devil told them. That was true. He told them the truth. But just think about it. Before they ate the fruit, they didn't know any evil. All they knew was good. And because the devil made them think that God is trying to keep something from them by putting rules in their life. <laughs> That's what happened. The devil made them believe that God is putting rules in their life to keep them from good stuff. And we still believe in that still today. So if the preacher tell you, the word of God says don't do this, please. He can say whatever he wants, but this is what I'm doing. You know where that spirit came from? I'm just saying. Because we, 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 we weren't created like that. We got duped into being that way. We, we, the devil made us start believing that God was trying to keep things away from us, hide stuff from us, and that's why he got all these rules. And so today, we want to get in the church. We want to become a part of God's kingdom. But God, I'm not down with all those rules. And God probably politely want to say, then you won't have any part of this. 
because I only put the rules in there for your own good, for your own benefit. I'm not putting rules in there to make your life tough. Those are the things that someone that's hearing and doing God's word will understand, that the rules or the laws that God put in the word is to make life better for you, not to make life worse. But the devil is still at work. And so the devil tell you stuff contrary to the word of God. And so all the years why God had the laws for his people, that's not really what God wanted for his people, but that's all he could have done at that moment for his people to still keep them safe. Obviously, his people just, just was always breaking his rules. Always breaking his rules. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 6, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 6 says this, but now had he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for a second. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant. And I regarded them not, saith the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind. And write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be my people. So here is what we probably kind of overlooked over the years. God's intention was always that the Holy Spirit dwell in us, and that the Holy Spirit be the, be, be the lawgiver in our life, and that the Holy Spirit will guide and lead our life. That's what God wanted to do, but it had to be done over a period of time. So just trying to get us to obey the Word of God wasn't the best plan. The best plan was to give us the Holy Spirit that will empower us and enable us to obey the word of God. That was the plan. That was the ultimate plan. But he settled for his word just to get us through. But of course, we didn't allow the word to, to change our life. We didn't allow the word. We just kept on breaking the laws, breaking the rules. And so that did not work out. And that's why now when you read the Bible, it talks about the old covenant and new covenant. Now you understand. The old covenant, we just couldn't keep. Because just, we just couldn't from the garden. We always broke it. But the Holy Spirit, which inactivates the new covenant, is the thing that will empower us and give us the strength to obey and to do what needs to be done. So that's why God says, I want to give you a new covenant. Because the new covenant will, would come with a spirit living inside of you. And when a spirit is living inside of you, then will you be enabled or empowered or be better off to obey the word of God. And even one of the things about the Holy Spirit that's so cool is that, I love this about the Holy Spirit. 
having the Holy Spirit in you has nothing to do with the law per se. And let me say what I mean by that. Yes, the Holy Spirit still guides us according to the word of God. But here is what I mean by that. There is going to be things that has nothing to do with right or wrong that the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. So that's what that's one of the reasons why it's so superior to just the word of God, because the Holy Spirit can say, don't walk that way, walk that way. There's nothing wrong with walking that way. But the Holy Spirit is trying to guide you into a right way. It's trying to lead you into a right way. And so having the Holy Spirit is better than just obeying the law. Because the law can't do everything that the Holy Spirit can do. The Holy Spirit can direct you, speak to you about different things that don't have anything to do with right or wrong or sin or ungodliness. Just stuff that you need to know. And God just slide it right in. Do you understand the way our God deals with some of us has nothing to do with whether that's right or wrong? And we steady worrying about that. What does God think about this? Is this right or wrong? And we looking and we judging people as we see them do things and we judging the situation because we're looking at right or wrong. Do you want to go back in the Old Testament days and, and, and live under that covenant? Well, that's kind of how we're living. Because we're living in Christ, still doing the do's and don'ts. That was, that was the old covenant. And they couldn't keep that. So you can't keep that. We, we could not. Those people were tougher than us, more rigid than us, knew how to deal with struggles better than us. And they couldn't keep the law. Why do we think we can keep the law? Well, then why are we going around that's wrong. That ain't right. That's living by the Old Testament. Because the New Testament say, when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, then the Holy Ghost, Almighty God, is living in me. And if he ain't telling me, then guess what? You leave me alone. And if he's telling me and I'm ignoring him, then he will deal with me. Oh, my God, somebody help me tonight. That's the covenant that he was working with. That's what he was trying to get to. And so all that do's and don'ts back in the day that we were struggling with, laws. He said, I'm just trying to get you to where the, you will have me living in you. Now that's the law. Jesus Christ is the law. And so him living in you will help you with more than do's and don'ts. He will comfort you. He will give you understanding, ideas. You at your job and you flourishing at your job because he's giving you thoughts. Do that, do that, do that. It's more than do's and don'ts to him. He wants you to flourish and enjoy the things of God and be able to understand what you should or shouldn't do. So don't be afraid of do's and don'ts. Listen, you can have self-discipline. I'm almost there. You can have self-discipline, but that still will never be able to replace Holy Spirit discipline. There's some things, no matter how smart you are, that you can't do in the flesh. Only the Spirit can do. 
What's that, preacher? What's some things like that? How about the fruit of the Spirit? Try to intellectualize that. Try to have, try to let your smarts, try to let your, your self-discipline do that. <laughs> try to let your self-discipline have gentleness. Try to let your self-discipline have meekness. Try to have your, you let your self-discipline have goodness and faith and love. Just keep on going. Let, let your self-discipline do that. It can't. You might can self-discipline yourself to study hard, to learn a lot. To, to, to be a great athlete, to play a good instrument, whatever. But some things only the Holy Spirit can do. Yes, yes, yes. That's the truth there. All right. And so I'm going to finish with this. I'm getting there. A person... Let me read our scripture before I end tonight. In James, chapter 1, verse 22, the word of the Lord says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observe himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. A person does not receive value of the word of God until he both hears and obeys it. There is little value in merely hearing the word of God. I'm going to let you into a secret. Let you into a secret. Depending on how much hearing and doing will depend on how much you're affected by what you hear. All right, I'll, I'll, I, see you, I see you repeat good. Depending on how much hearing and doing that you do will also depend on how you respond when you hear. Example. I'm studying, I'm reading the word of God, I'm doing it. And I'm watching a video or I'm hearing somebody speak. I just kind of get a little bit more excited than the average. Because there's nothing like knowing that you're doing something. Let me tell you one of the greatest things happened to me as I'm growing in Christ. God will give me revelations, right? And, and, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is cool. And I will go way out of town to a conference. And a big-time preacher, this is how I look at it. Big-time preacher start preaching the same thing the same way God explained it to me. Man, I start losing my mind. Like, God, I really did get something from you. I really did understand it the way you were putting it in my heart. Because look who preaching it. And he preaching it just like you told me. And I'm just like having a good time because I'm excited. I heard it. I did it, and now I go and hear it, and I'm like, whoa, God is good. It wasn't just me thinking something. It wasn't just me hearing and trying to translate something. It's really God. So it makes you extra excited when you hear and do, and then you hear. 
<laughs> I don't want you to feel bad, but just got to tell you, if you're not hearing and doing, then when you hear, it don't really do anything for you. Because after a while, after a while, it becomes your common practice. If you keep hearing and not doing, hearing and not doing, then guess what? That just continues. You hear and not do. And so the word don't affect you. Because that's how you kind of started training yourself. Hear, not do. Hear, not do. And so now you can hear anything. And every once in a while you hear something that sounds kind of intelligent. Or something kind of smart that your flesh identified with. And that's what you run with. Because spirit not helping you because you've been ignoring the spirit. Because you're hearing and not doing. Hearing and not. So no help there. So the only thing that's going to get you going is something that sounds kind of smart. Not spiritual. Something that sounds smart. But if you hear and you do, you hear and you do, then when you hear, you will do. I go somewhere and, 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 and they say, and even here, lift your hands and worship the Lord. I just start thinking about all the times I lift my hands. And when I worship the Lord, how I feel, what it does for me. So when he says something, lift your hand, you kidding me? I got experience with that. So I know what it produces. So what do I do? You're following why hearing and doing is so important. You get experience with the word of God. You get experience with what God does. So when someone says it someplace, you know they're not just saying it. I'll give you the other spectrum of that. I go places and I hear people say stuff that's not really on cue. Uh, that's not good. Because I hear and do, I hear and do. So when somebody says something that don't produce the same kind of result that it's supposed to produce, I'm like, yeah, that's not right. I don't say it to them. I don't say it to anybody. I just know it in my spirit. Mike, hear and do, hear and do. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So I have a question. So um, this one's for the hearing and doing, and I want to make sure I, I could be totally off with this, but um, so when I think about hearing, right, the scripture comes to mind, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think about the connection with God of doing. Uh-huh. Help me out. Is it possible that the the doing part of it is a part of maturity in God, that a person can here and it builds build their faith enough to where they can then do well so the bible says faith without works is dead right so if you had the experience because you had heard and your faith say yes and you do that, that that's what we that's why we do it we usually start out doing it out of obedience because you, you really don't know a whole lot. So you do it out of obedience. But when you do it out of obedience, you obtain experience. When you obtain experience, it begins to un, unveil who God is to you now. Faith begins to work like never before because now you're understanding, oh my goodness, when you do this, this is what happens. I've experienced it. And so when you experience that, now you're able to say, all right, 
I know what it produces, so I'm going to do it. But a lot of times, people hear the word, and they don't bother doing it because they've never experienced it. Because can you imagine, can you imagine something, let me say something weird. We all can relate to this. Can you imagine if every time we hear, let's praise the Lord, and every time you open up and you praise God, you lost five pounds. You know what it does. Sorry, praise. Man, I'm going to praise him. I didn't lose five pounds. I ate too much today. I'm going to praise him. And so you can identify as soon as they say, let's praise the Lord. That, that's what I'm talking about. And so when you are hearing and doing all the time, yes, you start out doing it in obedience. Now, some people might have faith, and so they do it in faith. So you will see that you will see doing either comes by obedience or by faith. Right? There are some people that come to church that haven't gotten a revelation of who God is and all that stuff. So when they hear something, they're just going to do it because they're saying, well, if that's a man of God or a woman of God, and they say it, I'm going to trust them, and I'm just going to do it. And so they'll do it out of obedience. But then there's, there, most of us, we do because of faith, because we've experienced this and we know. So when we know what it does, we're like, please, you don't have to tell me twice. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. 100%. 100%. If they do it out of obedience, then they will get an experience that next time they can't wait for the preacher to say it again. Because they know what it's going to produce. Listen. I never forgot the first time I prayed, laid my hands on somebody. And they got healed. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> That's, so, you know, whether you're at a conference or something, lay, lay hands on the person next to you or something. Come on, let's go. Because I have experience. I told you the time I walked around the, the hospital, anybody need prayer? Who's sick in here that need prayer? Wouldn't lie to you. Oh, you need Bam. Out of there. Bam. Out of there. Bam. Out of there. I had experience. That experience is called faith. So when we hear and we do, we hear and we do, it does something. But if we hear and we don't do, we hear and we don't do, we're only hurting ourselves. And we keep ourselves being babes. We keep ourselves being children because we're hearing but we're not doing. We're underdeveloped. Because we're hearing and we're not doing. Because what, what did I say Sunday? Because we're watching one another. I don't have to watch anymore. I watched when I first came to church because I was cool. But after I got the Holy Ghost, oh, I ain't watched no more. And I didn't care what nobody thought about me. Why? The experience with God. I got the experience. So, 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 so now I can use just regular in, in, intellect and way and say, why would I worry about what anybody thinks when I know who God is, what he's done, what he continues to do, and what he will do? Why would I let people that can't do what God do get in? I don't know how you compute that, but that's how I break it down. Why would I allow people that cannot do what God do in my life and for me, why would I let them cause me to not do something? Are you kidding me? Because I look over here and they're not doing it. I'm not. I, listen, put me in a back room and nobody worship. Jesus, 
You are so good. Oh, I love you. Oh, there is none like you, Jesus. You are the king of kings. Oh, I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Lord, there is none like you. Come hell or high water, Lord. I love you and I'm going to serve you. God, you are my king. I like to tell, you know what I like to tell him? You are my Lord and my master. I tell him that. Because I don't want to make no mistake and fool my stupid self in thinking that God is anything different than that. He is Lord. He is King. He is Master. And I go to him just like that, Master, whatever you want, just tell me. I humble myself under your authority. I humble myself to you and you do whatever you please. And when I pray, I've told you, I pray something, I say, God, I know you want us to make the choice because you gave us choice. But let me just be honest, God. I am stupid, foolish, ignorant, and hard-headed sometimes. When I'm being like that, slap me and force me to do the right thing. Because I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be apart from you. I don't want to lose my soul. So sometimes when I'm idiotic and foolish, just grab me real hard and get me back on track. I care about what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks. No, 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 no. Not, not Jesus. You, you ain't afraid to just lift your head in the crowd. I'll lift my hand for Jesus and I've experienced some great things. I've seen Jesus do some things that, come on, why would I care about what anybody else thinks? And so we finish. We read, hearer, not doer. But there's something else I need to just say before we close. We're going to hear and do what God says. The term smoke and mirrors is often used to describe how those who practice magic create an illusion by using bursts of smoke and manipulating mirrors. There is no place in Christian faith for illusion. Jesus' warning against praying, giving, fasting to be seen by others is essentially a warning against attempting to deceive others into thinking one is doing things out of deep, true devotion to God. So here's the other thing. If we try to fake the funk, that don't even make sense. Again, when you get when you have experience. You know you can't fake the funk with God. So don't act like you're really praying when you're not praying. Secret, 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 secret. Sometimes that's why I pray long. Because I'm going to pray till I feel like I've entered into a place with him. that I, I'm, I just don't like to pray just to pray. I want to pray and know I'm encountering the almighty God's presence. And so that's why I pray long sometimes. Because what am I really saying? God, I ain't going to stop praying until I feel you. Now I know you can pray. And as long as you pray in faith, he hears you and he will do. But I like to feel him. And so most of the time when you hear me praying, I'm praying until I feel like I get in touch with him. Until I feel like I get into his presence. Until I feel like, yeah, he's talking back to me now. That's just how I pray. Where did that come from? Experience. <laughs> Experience. So that's 
reason why sometimes I pray longer than norm. And sometimes I pray and it just mm, quick. The Lord just moves. So there are negative mirrors and positive mirrors. Okay? Or should I say negative example of mirror and positive example of a mirror. So here's a negative example. Those who hear the word of God but do nothing to bring their behavior into conformity with the word of God um, like those who look into a mirror but do nothing about what the mirror reveals. You ever look in the mirror and see something hanging out your nose and just say, oh, that's okay. Huh? Anybody ever look in the mirror? You got your hair done, looking all good, and you see something hanging out your nose like, oh, that's okay. Well, when you hear the word, but you don't do, that's what you're doing. Booger hanging out. And you just let it hang out. And you walk around with a booger hanging out. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I'm trying to get a point across. I'm trying to make sure when you hear the word, you do something about it. Because looking in the mirror with your hair all done and booger hanging out and you do nothing about it, that's like hearing the word of God and not doing one thing about it. Yes, big one, hanging out. All right, positive example of looking in the mirror. In contrast to those who look into the word of God and do nothing about it, those who will be blessed are the ones who not only look into the word, but who also bring their behavior into conformity with it. So the people that are doers of the word, they got their hair done, they looking real good, face look clean, they see booger like, oh, let me get that out. And you get a piece of napkin or you get washcloth, and you get it out, you look in the mirror, okay, it's all clean, all good. Then you say, okay, I can go. Those are the ones. That hear the word of God and do it. Last scriptures. Let me finish up real spiritual for you. And so, here's some scripture for you. Matthew 21, verse 28. One day a man who had two sons said to his first son, go work in the vineyard today. His son answered, I will not. But later the son regretted his obstinance and changed his mind and went to work. The man said the same thing to his second son as he did to the first. This son replied, yes, I will. I will go to work in the vineyard. But he didn't. After Jesus told this parable to the chief priests and elders, he asked, which of the two sons did the will of his father? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of some of you. Why do you think that is? Why do you think prostitutes and people that steal and people that mistreat people will probably get to heaven before some people that just come to church. Why do you think that is? Hmm? There you go. Because we don't think sitting in church and not worshiping God is doing wrong. 
We don't think coming to church and not praising God is doing something wrong. We don't think that hearing the word of God and doing nothing about it is doing something wrong. And so we sit in our chairs and our pews and all of that stuff and say, but I'm okay because I go to church and I go to Bible study. Prostitute. She's selling herself. This dude robbing people. But when those people come to church, you know what they do? Pray for me. I got problems. Pray for me. I'm doing wrong. And all the church people say, well, I go to church. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Any questions? A hearer and a doer of the word of God. Anybody have any questions? A lot of questions. Y'all ready to go home? Y'all says, that was a long one. I told you I was going to take my time tonight, though. Got to take my time. I really just, just want to make sure we're good. I want to make sure we're good. We're good, Bob? Bob said we're good. We're good. All right, let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord Jesus, your word is plain and it's simple. Almighty God, help us. You have a great group of people here tonight, Lord God. And Lord, if every one of us here tonight will do what we just received, Lord, we'll turn this church and our community upside down. Now I pray as the word of God has gone out, Lord God, will you let it accomplish what you would have it to accomplish. And let, Lord God, lives be transformed by the power of your spirit. That, Lord God, we can be vessels and instruments that you may work through. I pray, Lord God, that the power of your spirit, Lord, will empower us, will cause us to have courage and boldness, will cause us to operate in authority like we've never done, will cause us to walk by faith like we've never done, will cause us to be examples. Lord, allow us to stand on the front line and be examples, examples of true worshipers, examples, almighty God, of true praisers, examples, almighty God, of true witnesses, example, almighty God, of being disciple makers, example, almighty God, of loving people, example, almighty God, of caring for one another, and almighty God, evangelizing. Help us, almighty God, that we can be on the front line being an example. I pray that every person in this place tonight will be stirred and moved and shaken and empowered by the Spirit of God and that, Lord Jesus, we cannot be the same again, that our minds will, oh God, be troubled by the Word of God and our heart, Lord God, will be responsive to the Word of God. Tonight, I pray, faith will be unleashed in the life of your people and, Almighty God, the fire of the Holy Ghost will begin to burn in our hearts and in our minds and, God, we will begin to go Go beyond ourselves uh, and no longer, Lord God, stay within ourselves. Uh, for Lord, uh, if we will lose our life for your sake, then we will gain eternal life. Uh, but God, uh, if we try to save our life, we will lose out uh, on eternal life. So I pray tonight uh, that faith will be unleashed, uh, that faith, Almighty God, will increase, uh, that faith, Lord God, uh, will go to a new dimension in our life, Lord, uh, and that, oh God, we will become doers uh, and not just hear. 
hearers of your word. Let somebody experience a breakthrough in praying, in fasting, in lifting up the name of Jesus, in being a worshiper, in coming to church, in being an example, in teaching Bible studies. I pray, oh God, that the Spirit of God will do a work in this church, Lord Jesus, like we've never seen. Oh my God, let lives be transformed like never before. Let the power of God move in this place and let this pulpit be on fire. Oh, that the Word of God will be preached from this pulpit with authority and power and anointing, Lord God, and revelation and with the gifts of the Spirit being in operation. Lord Jesus, have your way tonight. I pray for every family that is in this house tonight. I pray the blessings of God upon every family. I pray the blessings of God upon every husband and every father. I pray the peace of God upon every husband and every father. I pray, oh God, financial blessing upon every home in this house, Lord God. I pray the joy of the Lord in their heart, in their mind. And I pray our children will excel, will exceed, and do great things for you, Lord. I pray for every woman and every wife and every mother, Lord God, in this church, Lord Jesus, that the fire of the Holy Ghost will burn and that God, she will pray the prayers of faith and that God, she'll begin to see like you will have her to see. I pray her faith, oh God, will go to a new dimension and that God, she'll begin to pray calling those things that are not as though they were and that God, you will use her mightily and miraculously to stand in the gap. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that the north will give up and the south will give up and the east will give up and the west will give up and that God, our building that you have in your hand, our building, Lord God, that you have total control over, that you have released it into our hands. Release it into our hands in the name of Jesus. We call those things that are not as though they were, that we will walk in that in that land flowing with milk and honey, and we will walk into that house that is consecrated and sanctified for the purpose of the will of God, and that this community and surrounding communities will know who Jesus really is and that people who are bound will be delivered and people who are in captivity will be free and people who are lost will be found and people who don't have oh God a shepherd to lead them they will receive a shepherd I pray for revival throughout this land and surrounding areas Lord we're so grateful to be a part of your kingdom we're so grateful to be called the children of the most high God now Lord I thank you. Now let the prayers that we prayed, let it be so. Let it be so. Let it be so. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I praise your name for your worthy, Lord God. Oh, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Can everybody join me and say in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.